Good morning. Welcome to Morning Bread, Season One. Devotion with Pastor Chris and another host on Book of Mark. Today we have Sue into the program. How are you, Sue? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Today's devotion will be on Mark chapter seven, verse one to twenty-three.、Uh, before we start, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for the time we can spend together. I pray that you give us Holy Spirit and teach us your way, your truth, and your love. Help us experience it today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, Sue, how about we start reading verse one to five, Mark seven. Sounds good. So, in Mark chapter seven, verse one to five, it says, "Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with his hand, with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands." Holding to the tradition of the elders, and when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, "Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands?" Share with us what you have learned. In this Mark chapter seven, verse one to five. We find ourselves、um, observing this or、uh, witnessing this incident. This incident, whereby Jesus' disciples actually broke some ritual or ceremonial laws, and they have become unclean as a result of that. Now, I'm currently reading this fascinating book by N.T. Wright called "The New Testament and the People of God," and this book is about what the gospel actually meant to the first-century Jews. And apparently,、um, Judaism at the time had three main、um, aspects of the practice of the faith,、um, which they derived from the Torah, the holy book that they they read. So the three main practical aspects: the first one is Sabbath, the observance of Sabbath; the second one is circumcision; and the third、mm-hmm. one is the kosher law about what is clean and what is unclean. It's about purity.、Mm. Now, when we read the Bible about the Pharisees and whatnot, we tend to have that idea that maybe they're trying to climb up this ladder、um, towards holiness. You know, the、uh, more they adhere to this law, the holier they are. But it actually is not about that. It was actually about badges of identity. These observances、mm. actually show that they belong to the people of God's covenant. They belong to God's chosen people, and when they Don't do these things, or if they break any of these things, it means that they no longer belong to the covenant and they fall outside the covenant. Because a lot of these rules are around the practical aspects of their life, they ended up having a very peculiar way of life compared to the people around them. And over time, these practices become a socio-cultural identity. It is what、mm. makes them Jewish. You know, when I was、That's、in、right. Malaysia, yeah. So it's it's a very strong thing, a social cultural identity. When I was in Malaysia, all the high schools actually have the same school uniform, which is a really ugly sky blue pinafore for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Now the only difference、um, between the schools, the only way to tell them apart, is that we actually have a school badge or crest that we have to iron on the, onto the uniform. It's the only thing that actually tells、um, people what school we're from. And I remember one time, my high school principal told the students that if we were going to do something bad outside school, like you know, hit the shopping malls during school hours, it's best that we tear out our, remove our school crest. 
um, from our uniform so that if there's a reporter or journalist covering a story about you know teenagers not attending school, um, our school's name will be will not be all over the papers. Now the kosher mm. law is a bit like that. It's a badge of identity, but it says more than school identity. It's about the the cultural identity. So. Sabbath circumcision and kosher law is what separates the Jews from the non-Jews. And this, this mm. losing these marks of identity could be um, something like, you know, an Asian restaurant that only sells fish and chips. Or, I don't know, do you have any other experience from your own experience where there are certain things where you experience something that challenges you to um, betray your social cultural identity? I guess not eating pork. Mm. That's actually a big one because where I come from, pork is like, you know, it's like a everyday thing. If my 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 parents said that we cook meat, the meat means pork. So it's and I've become an Adventist. I, um, you know, I don't eat it anymore. Then you're not from my city. Also, chili, that's another one. Mm. <laughs> Um, everybody thinking I can eat a lot of chili, but which I don't. And I said that you are not this people anymore. Okay. So is it like you are um, not Chinese if you don't do these things? Not Chinese, as in Sichuanese. They're not Sichuanese. <laughs> That's right. I, can, I, I don't eat pork. I don't eat chili anymore. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that can be quite a hard thing for people to swallow, isn't it? To go against the uh, social cultural identity because it actually means you no longer belong to the people that you once belonged to. Mm. Mm. And people normally, their identity is coming from what they do. That's right. right that's actually how they get identity. Some, some of them struggle with this. When they, when they try to give up something, they feel like that's not who they are anymore. Mm. That's right. It's a so, typical identity issue. That's right. So I think we can probably move on to the next next bit let me move on the story reading from six to a i'm reading from the esv version bible says that he said unto them well the isaiah prophecy of the hypocrites as it is written this people honors me with their lips but their hearts is far from me in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men you leave the commandments of god and hold to the tradition of men as you, as you can see, the Bible, Jesus is even quoting the scripture in the Old Testament. And to tell the people now today, and they do what? They say that they worship them by lips, but the heart is far from me. Here you can see that, which means that a lot of people at the time, the Pharisees especially, they're worshiping God with the lips or his actions. Let me put it this way. But the heart is not with God. God is God of love. And in what they're doing, there's no love to it because they try to retain the identity through what they do is not who they are through relationship. That's a paradigm shifting. And Jesus Christ comes and actually shows that the love makes them who they are, not what they do. Try to make themselves holy or, or you know, special. And here he's saying that they invent do they worship me teaching as doctrine the commandments of man. So they're actually violating the, the law of God here. And he leave, he, this is a strong accuse, right? Because Pharisees, knowing as uh, uh, the God-keeping people, are the most holy people, right? And now Jesus Christ turned the table around, attacking them as what they were really known for. You leave the commandment of God, 
I hold on to tradition of man. This accusation is so strong. You can see from verse nine and thirteen, and Jesus give example or illustration. How did they neglect or violate the law, the commandments of God, for the sake of traditional men? I find it really、um, alarming that th- these pe- these people that Jesus speak out against are people who actually honors Him, honors God with their lips. So they actually speak like holy people. They are not people that blaspheme against God or talk about evolution or anything like that. They speak like holy people, and they dedicate every segment of their lives to try to be part of the covenant. And for someone who is so dedicated and want so badly to belong to the covenant of God, how could Jesus actually describe their heart as being far from God? And I thought I find that really alarming and really worth、um, dwelling into. So the heart here, like you mentioned, they see it as、um, something that they do on the outside. And in verse eight, Jesus actually outlined a clear discrepancy, a clear difference between what they were doing and what God asked of them. So they have left the commandment、mm. of God and they hold on to the tradition of men. So there was a discrepancy between their definition and their pursuit of holiness, and God's definition of holiness, and God's designated path to actually attain or achieve holy,、uh, holiness or godliness.、Mm. Uh, especially when we read verse nine to thirteen. Yes. I think we can have that more understanding what Jesus is really talking about Precisely. here. Precisely.、Uh, you want to read it? Yes.、Um, I will read nine、um, to thirteen, and he said to them. You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, "Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die." But you say, "If a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down." And many such things you do.、Mm, it's interesting what Bible says here. Yeah,、uh, it's an example how do they leave the commandments of God to hold on to tradition of man.、Mm. So what is basically Jesus Christ is quoting the Ten Commandments, right? The fifth one: you shall honor your parents.、Mm. And here it's very interesting what the Jews did is that he said that whatever you will gain from me is a carbon. The carbon is basically the gift to God, which means that. Uh, when the Jewish people do, when they do not want to honor the parents with the financial means, whatever they are, they said that we have already dedicated this part to God. <laughs> That's right. This is not even they gave into the temple or to God straight away. It's this kind of declaration is for God now, so you cannot you cannot take it. But I'm still getting able to use it while they're alive. <laughs> they can still freely use it while they're alive. Yeah, what a life. That's right. They only give it to the Lord after they die. That's right. So this is this is <laughs>、so、actually a legal loophole. They, <laughs> that's right. They they found this legal loophole to not honor the parents according to Ten Commandments by using the tradition of human to violate the commandments of God. That's right. And so because they say that this is I dedicated to God, I don't have to give it to you anymore. That's right. And <laughs> to the parents. Yeah, and I think that the. Reason why they came up with this legal loophole. The heart of the matter is, the problem really is that they have forgotten the heart of the commandment. And 
the, the heart mm. of the Ten Commandments, as stated in Deuteronomy 6 and in Mark 12, is about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So the Ten Commandments Amen. are simply rules on how to operationalize this overarching goal. So the title of the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments, if there ever was a title for it, would be How to Love God and How to Love People. So maybe Yes, this is actually the spirit mm, of the religion instead of the formality of the religion, isn't it? That's right. So maybe this has always been the boundary marker between covenant to people and people who are outside the covenant, between who's a Christian, who's not a Christian, who belongs to God and who doesn't. It's not about any of those other mm. things that they do, but really it's about how loving we are. And this is not something new. Mm. You know, sometimes people say that it is the new thing that sort of um, overtake the, this new um, commandment of love was given that actually supersede the Ten Commandments. It's not as have has always been one of the same thing because this was actually first presented mm-hmm. in Deuteronomy 6 as a summary of all the statutes and laws that were given to Israelites at the time. And, Jesus, uh, and God at mm-hmm. the time summarized it as, you know, it is about loving people and loving God. Mm-hmm. And the Ten Commandments essentially is a love language. If you want to love people, how do you know how to love as Ten Commandments? That's right. So when we actually mm. neglect the heart of the commandment, not only it will lead us to do bad things, like finding legal loophole to put your parents out on the street because you know they don't have Santa Lake. <laughs> if, they, if the children don't provide for them, they'll be out on the street. Um, so mm-hmm. by neglecting the heart of the commandment, it can also potentially corrupt any good things any charitable things yes. that we can do. Because in First Corinthians chapter 13, it actually says, even if we do something as amazing and magnanimous as selling all our possessions to give it to the poor, give it to the poor, or even die for the sake of others, if it was not done out of love, it is meaningless. Well, baffles my mind. Why would anyone mm. do any of these things without, without love? Maybe it's for pride. Who knows? Whatever that could be. But whatever that may be, if, there is any other motives aside from love for the people that Jesus died for, it actually cancels out the beneficial effects of any virtuous, respectable, religious, or charitable things that we could do. And any of those things mm. that we do that is not out of love will be seen as we've left the commandment of God and held on to the tradition of man. Mm. Mm. That's right. And that's actually what you say is tied into. Uh, the next part of the devotion today, verse 14 to 23. Very true. Uh, let me read it here. Let me read it here. Uh, let me read it, uh, verse 14 to 23. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered into the house and left the people, that his disciple asked about the parable, and he said unto them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever whatever goes into a, per- a person from outside cannot defile him, since it entered not his heart but his stomach, and it is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, uh, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thief, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Is that what you're just talking about here? Yes. This is making 
illustration that's right and declaration of what it is yes it really does continue to develop the argument about what's on the outside and what's on the inside now at this point i mm. ask myself a question now the jews the jewish people at the time obviously have completely lost sight of god in their religion mm-hmm. now in today's age is it possible could we ever be in danger of losing sight of christ within christianity Could we ever be in danger of taking Christ out of Christianity? Now, that's a really mm. interesting question to ask, isn't it? You know, I asked my mm. Um, mm. son this question this morning um, about, you know, how different his life would be, how different he as a person would be if he's not a Christian right now. Mm. And he said um, he won't be attending church, he won't be attending Sabbath school, He won't be having family worship. He won't be praying. He won't be doing devotions. He won't be reading the Bible. He won't be going to a Christian school. He won't. He probably be attending sports on Saturday, um, and he won't be having Christian friends. And it kind of stopped there. Now I'm not sure whether that's down to、uh, that's down to maturity, or that my Christian parenting has failed to a certain extent. Because to him, Christianity is all about stuff that you do for church.、Mm. It's churchianity.、Mm. Churchianity is actually not the churchianity. Same. That's the word. Yeah, churchianity is not the same as Christianity. I follow on by asking、mm. him, how would you define a very good Christian? And he specifically said, it is someone who is very active in church. Full stop. Now,、wow. now that is my son that we have tried so very hard to、um, bring him up as a Christian, and、um, mm. and he could not tell the difference between Christianity and Christianity.、Mm. I I I I need to go back and really repent and 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 ask God how to how to actually introduce Christ to him、um, and to define Christianity to、mm. him. And I think the、mm. Jews at the time、um, faced an incredible challenge as a group of people, which is actually an opportunity in a sense. Now, at the time, the main symbols of the beliefs, the Holy Land, the Holy Temple, and the notion of Messiah, who would deliver them from the hands of Romans, all these symbols of the beliefs are falling away one by one. Because when they look across the land, the land is overrun by Roman soldiers. And the original、mm. temple has been destroyed, and there were endless dispute about this rebuilt version that they now have. And then now people are、mm. saying that this Jesus, who's already been、um, nailed to the cross, received the death sentence、um, by the Roman soldiers, are in fact the national hero that they've been waiting for for several millennium, that that is supposed、mm. to overthrow the Romans and restore the Jewish nation. Their beliefs have been shaken、mm. at its very foundation, and they have to reckon with the facts that、mm. they were facing and ask themselves this question. Who is Jesus? What is Messiah really supposed to do? And what does God's kingdom、mm. actually look like? I wonder if, in the same、mm. way, the symbols of our practice of belief are also falling apart in certain to a certain extent now with the COVID situation. Now, our religious practice,、mm. like worshiping together, singing together, listening, to, going to a building known as a church. Sorry, can you repeat it again? Because not these things. Can 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 you repeat that from、uh, the the little bit earlier because you cut off a little bit. Oh, 
I wonder if in the same way, the symbols of our practice of belief are also following your heart under this COVID situation. Our religious practice, mm. like worshipping together, singing together, listening to a sermon together, mm. going to a building known, to, known as a church, and meeting with seekers mm. in a care group, none of these things are now possible. Now, perhaps our children will grow up associating Christianity with Zoom, Google Meet, or Facebook instead. If that's the case, <laughs> is that okay? Is that enough? I think it's actually a really mm. good time to ask ourselves, who is Jesus to us as individual and as a church? Mm. What is he saving us from? What does Messiah actually mm. re- really mean to us? How does he do that? Mm. How does he save us? And what does his kingdom really look like? Mm. Amen, amen, amen. And by the way, I'm not saying that any of these outward things that we do are bad or or, um, or not good. Um, you know, when Jesus declared that, when it says in verse 19, um, says he, he declared all foods clean, we know that that has to be interpreted mm. within context because no one on earth would, would contest the fact that that is an unclean food, right? We all know that. That that's can't right, be true. That's right. So, all the things that we do on the outside are good, provided that we don't lose the purpose of doing it. And I think it really mm, leads um, right. to the next step where Jesus actually expands on this as well about the inside things that really count. Yeah, I just want to put it out. I really appreciate what you're saying here. That verse 20, what comes from a person is what defiles him. For within of the heart of man, more evil thoughts, sexual immorality, immorality, sexual immorality, thief, murder, idolatry, coveting. If you look at that, it's actually Christ was listening to our people when they disobey the Ten Commandments. Mm. That's what defiles a man. Yes. Right here in the first part of the story, he's talking about the tradition of humanity is making the commands of God invalid anymore. And now he says that because of doing that, that's defiling the people. Because people come out, they have this evil thoughts uh, that defiles us. Mm. And your quote-unquote religion is promoting tradition and disregarded the very law of love. That's and right. that religion, it do no good to the people because you hold on to that, but your heart has not been clean. Your heart has not been renewed. Your heart is still evil. Mm. And this religion has no good to it. No. But how do we have the new religion is fixing the problem of heart because Bible says many times in uh in, in, in anywhere, Jeremiah 79, 17 verse 9, it says that our heart is deceivable, but all things desperately wicked. How do I fix the problem of heart? And that's the new religion of Jesus Christ. He's gonna come to fix that the root of problem is our evil heart. That's right. I recently had the opportunity to experience that there that, that there is a discrepancy between religion and love. And I've written an, mm. in my Bible on a side note for Mark 7. Never let religious mm. zeal overrun the principle of love. Amen. Amen. And I think that's really important for us to remind ourselves to never let religious zeal overrun the principle of love. You know, mm. recently I was, um, I was getting a bit discouraged with one of the um, people that I was giving Bible studies to. Um, because I wasn't actually mm. seeing any progress. And it sort of grew into even some form of resentment where I felt that I was working so hard and that person's not trying at all. And mm. it grew, and then from there, some feelings of animosity even come up, which is really strange because I'm supposed to be loving this person, right? So 
Mm. I think a lot showed me that there's actually a difference there between, you know, being very hardworking um, for God and actually loving people. There's actually a slight mm. difference mm. there. So I was impressed to actually fast and pray for that person. And it's funny when we fast and pray for a person, sometimes God changes us rather than the person. That's right. Amen. Amen. And at the end of that day, I um, I gave that person a call um, and we spoke for an hour. And we spoke nothing about mm. the Bible. I was just talking to that person about um, the person's life and then we exchanged recipes mm. and I was just trying to be a friend and walk alongside that person. And in a subsequent mm. week, I fasted and prayed for that person again and then I gave the person a call. And then that conversation led on to, you know, maybe having a habit of reading the Bible might help with things. You know, I mean, have you heard of this mm. devotional? You know, I found that very helpful for myself. Would you like to try it? So instead of going through mm. the doctrinal Bible studies, which was leading me to nowhere, um, by just being a friend somehow, um, was God teaching me how to reach out to this person? So mm. I thought um, it was a very good message for me, this, this devotion about reminding us to not to forego the heart of the commandment, which is about God. And there are times where we might actually, um, through our hard work, forgot about what this is all about. Amen. That's very true. And sometimes we narrowly understand Bible studies about doctrine study. Mm. Our Bible study is supposed to be the one, the time we can share Jesus with the person. Mm. How does Jesus Christ fulfill his promise when someone is discouraged, mm. when someone is a desperate moment? How do we, Jesus Christ, come to us through devotion, through word of God, to encourage us mm. and to, 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 to be there for us? That's right. And sometimes we don't study that with people. We more focus on doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Mm. Yeah, so it's not about getting to know God is more than just getting to know the doctrines, isn't it? Yes, mm, so. and the Ten Commandments is the commandments of love. Mm. It's the commandments of a relationship. It's not a commandment of you do this, you be holy. That's right. So I think when I um when I was reading what you were saying in verse twenty one and twenty two, the list of things about what comes from within that defiles. So it appears that it wasn't actually anything that they do on the outside. It's what's come from the heart that defiles mm -hmm. a person. Mm -hmm. But as I continue to read on, instead of feeling relieved that whew, it's not the kosher law that defiles us, it's actually these things that defiles us. Instead of feeling relieved, I actually felt increasingly uncomfortable because some of those issues I struggle with as well. Mm. And I just thought... You know, John Mark, in in very in his own um, typical of his narrative style, just stopped abruptly there. It doesn't teach us where then can we actually be clean from these evil thoughts mm. that defile us. But for the discerning seeker who continue to um, follow on this story of the gospel it, throughout the New Testament, especially through the letters of Paul, it was written. Um, that the way that we can actually be cleansed is actually through the righteousness of Christ that is attained Amen. by faith. Amen. Now, I've been um, studying Philippians chapter 3, and in Philippians chapter 3, Paul actually listed out the badges of his Jewish elite identity, mm. where he talked about how he was circumcised, he was from the Benjamin tribe, and so on. So, he said that compared to 
the righteousness that he got from Christ, all these things are not beneficial. And I quote here, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. So what was really um, considered of value to him now is not having his own righteousness that he get from his own works, but having the righteousness which is of God that he attained by faith through Christ. Mm. And when he actually attained righteousness that way, it actually gives him a different understanding of who Christ is and who Amen. God is. Amen. I actually think it's very interesting the, the way in which we come to receive God's favor, reflect on our understanding of who God is and what, what he is like. Mm. So because he found deliverance and salvation freely through the grace of God, it led him to know Christ and know God as a God of love, a God of love rather than a demanding God. Um, mm. which demands compliance of behavior. A God who is interested in the heart more than the behavior. So the behavior needs to be the outworking of the heart, Amen. not just the behavior in itself. So I thought it was really um, interesting or worthwhile to actually reflect, you know, as a church, we're a very hardworking church and we're a very dedicated group of people who, um, from the children to the layperson to the pastors, are working of our socks you know, seven days a week doing things for um, for God. But perhaps time and again, we need to pause and ask, is God asking me to run more programs? Or is he asking me to reach the people in the homes with a message of hope? Is he asking me to give more Bible studies? Or is he asking me to extend compassion to those who, whom he has died for? Mm. And now we've learned in Mark chapter 7, it is what from the, what's from the inside that defiles. If we do it with the wrong heart, if we, we do it out of salesmanship or um, out of pride or out of whatever else apart from love, people um, that we're trying to reach can actually see that. And, and if they can see that, it, we are doing a disservice to Christ because misrepresenting Christ to these people. Mm. So I thought um, this book of Mark is about revealing who Christ is to us. And as we meditate on these words um, and thinking about what Christ is asking of us today and what he's really looking for would actually reveal the type of Messiah that he is to us. Thank you, Sue, for having the devotion with me. Maybe you'll have a close here today. Let's say with a prayer, yeah? Father, we thank you for the time we can spend together. Thank you for the inspiration given us. I pray that you continue to be with us and cleanse our hearts we can honor you with the heart and with our actions together. And Father, teach us Jesus Christ. Give us Jesus Christ. Renew our experience with you every day. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.